Ball shoot save. Smith the rebound stop. Another try. They score. Braden McNabb, his first of the year. Two to one Golden Knights. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Down to the net, extra passing. Smith settles, his shot knocked down. It's a loose puck in front. Now Smith scores! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. And welcome into the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Chris Chapman, Lindsey Brown rolling with you here on a Tuesday, live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Finley Chevrolet on the 215 Beltway, home of the Lindsay keeping the integrity of the woo alive and well. Uh, big shout out to Mike for actually uh, coming up with that. Mike, our listener, uh, if you didn't listen yesterday. No, I came up with oh, it. Oh, you came My, up with that? I came up with the integrity part of it. He just said that I I sounded more like the natural woo. He said that you draw it out a little bit okay. more. So uh, yours is more unique. And I said, yeah, I maintain the integrity Maintaining the, the integrity. That was the name of our podcast title yesterday. Correct. So, uh, yeah. Oh, can't press that button yet. You can tell <laughs> nope, I not yet. In here a lot. <laughs> so uh, we we've got a busy show coming up. Um, we've got uh, Jamie Hirsch from NHL Network. She's going to be joining us today, uh, hoping to get another NHL Network analyst in before the end of the week. But Jamie will join us from New York. She will be traveling to Sunrise, Florida, for the All Star Game. So exciting stuff for her. She gets out of the cold New York and gets down to sunny. South Florida for a couple days and gets to enjoy the NHL All-Star game and all the cool stuff. I don't know if she has to enjoy it. She has to work it. Well, is there a lot of enjoyment? you think there's a lot of pool time with that? No. I no, don't well, think there Well, listen, is. I mean, I, I know what last last uh, last year was like for us with the NHL All-Star game being here. It was... I had a great time. I had I had a great time, too. I but, was clubbing with a bunch of people. It was awesome. But it was work. Yeah, it, I, it was. Clubbing. I don't... I don't yeah, there's a gathering of members at a, at a nightclub on the Saturday night, and I had a hell of a time. So the, the night after the game? Yep. Or night of the game, yep. I should say. With yeah. the contingency from the Los Angeles market, we'll just say that. Ah, what, yeah. what, what's the club? I don't really remember. Oh, maybe, maybe that's it was good. The, I think it was at Caesars. I can't wait. No, maybe Omnia? it was Cosmo. I don't Cosmo. think it was, it was. It wasn't Omnia. I've been no. to more than a few concerts in there. That place is sick. They yeah. got like... Air canisters pumping up stuff from the floor. They got this giant, like, circular thing. There's multiple layers of the circle, and it, like, drops down. I saw Nightmare there one time. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I don't know who Nightmare is. Like You got, you got some education in the, you. The funny thing is I, I used to get the Las Vegas Weekly. I used to read it all the time, the, the little magazine. I, mm-hmm. I would go get tacos on Wednesday night. So tomorrow night is taco night in the Chapman household. Sure. And uh, the place I get tacos, they usually have a copy of the Las Vegas Weekly lying around so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll grab it and take it home and there's always some good articles in the las vegas weekly uh, you know and, and i like to look and see because i'm a big fan of of concerts i love going to concerts mm-hmm. and i like to see if any anybody that i like is coming to town now the the bands i like to see generally will play like a place like the brooklyn bowl yeah they're generally I not saw tom rollo there once it was yes yeah, you know that, that's cool like oh, i I'm, 10 feet away from him I'm, I'm, I'm big into a lot of the music that might be played on uh, bbc radio so I like, love BBC. I, I like Britpop and all that. Well, now it's like post-Britpop or whatever. They they have the title for it. But uh, So a lot of those bands will play at, at the Brooklyn Bowl or they'll play House of Blues. 
Generally, the bands I like aren't playing at the massive, massive. Like they're not playing T-Mobile or. No. Although, although uh, I took my kid and he wanted to go more than I did last year, and you and I actually talked about it. We to wanted. Corn. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go so bad, but it was a weird time where we were just kind of coming out of the mask mandates. And yeah. I didn't really want to go to a mosh pit by myself. Yeah, but see, Aaron, I didn't do the whole mosh pit thing. I don't want to do it either, but <laughs> I sometimes you don't have a choice or you're too close to it. So I figured me, single gal, going alone to a corn concert, yeah. probably not the smartest idea. It was uh, corn and System of a Down. They I played at uh, T-Mobile Arena was oh. where they played. My son was, was, it's funny because my kid's 15. He was 14 at the time, and if you listen to the show at any length of time, you hear me talk about Kingston a lot, and he plays in a, a metal band mm-hmm. on the side. Now, he's, he's a big jazz musician. That's his thing. He's, he's really talented. I'm not just tooting his horn there. Uh, little little pun. Pun intended. So he want, it, I find it funny because he likes the same music that I listened to when I was... In high school, mm-hmm. like corn was really popular when I freak on a leash and all that. They yep. they were popular. Blind, I saw corn in New York City when I was probably fifteen. I hadn't seen them again until last year when I went with my son to, mm-hmm. and now now he's he's already decided he doesn't need to go to concerts with me anymore. Him and his buddy went to go see oh, I can't remember who it was at the MGM not too long ago, but my buddy Mark actually it's a funny story. My buddy Mark, who might actually be listening, he's a big Caps fan. So mm-hmm. he he was very disappointed with the way things went a couple weekends ago at T-Mobile. But so he he works at the MGM, and I told my son, I said, "Listen, bud, you know you know Mark works at the MGM, so he's going to be keeping an eye on you." I can't remember who they went to go see him and his bud. Oh, it was uh, they went to go see Slipknot. No thanks. So. So we met up with Mark after, and Mark and I told Mark some things that Kingston had told me, and Mark was like, "Yeah, we, we saw you do all that." So uh, my my kid right was he, he was he he was nervous about the old big brother eye in the sky, but yeah, now now my Get son used to it. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, and my son's decided now that he doesn't need me anymore to go to concerts, which is kind of fun because I'm like, all right, not for anything. I don't particularly want to be the old guy at the corn concert, but he went to go see Rob Zombie without me. He's all into that, so good for him. Uh, yeah. So any, I don't even know how we got off on that tangent, but me either. Anyway, oh, you were talking about clubs. So, who was the guy? Was it Cascade? Was that the guy who who played at uh, the, yeah. the second intermission? I had no idea who that guy was. Yeah, he's a DJ. I know. I it know. Was a little bit different of a vibe than uh, I would have taken that he took, but that's okay. I have a, I have a few of his songs. I'm a huge fan of, but. Not all the bangers were played that day. It was very subdued. Subdued, yes. Yeah. So so he has bangers is what you're saying? He should have played some bangers? I would have. I would have played what, some of his stuff from his Christmas album. I think that he's got some bangers wait, on there. Wait, that guy. Everybody's got a Christmas album, Chris. That guy has a Christmas album. Everybody has a Christmas album because it's it's printing money at every single same point of the year. What do you mean? Now, That's mailbox money. Is, is, it, is it original material? Yeah, like I mean, is anything yeah. DJs do original material, or are they just kind of taking familiar, familiarize yeah, yourself? I, I got I got to check out. When we get off the air, I'm going to jump on Spotify well, and I'm going to go to Cascade, go to like Alice in Wonderland or something like that. Well, no, no, I want to hear this guy's Christmas album. Okay, I, I got you. Do you. I got I got to check it out. Even even though I guess officially I'd be breaking my rule about Christmas music because Christmas music cannot to me be played before Thanksgiving. Well, we are now in 2023, so if I listen to Christmas music now, technically it's before Thanksgiving. So anyway, uh, coming up on the show, like I said, we got Jamie Hirsch from NHL Network, 
And Brian McCormick, he is the voice. You know him. He's our friend. He's the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights. Friend is a stretch. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if he earns it today. He's got to earn it. Every day. I think Every he's, day you got to earn your spot. I'm going to let him know that, that he's got to earn the friend. Uh, oh, absolutely. He'll, the friend label. Yep, absolutely. No, Brian, Brian's a good guy. Yeah, I, I don't know. Him. He's a great dude. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if I'd put Brian in. He might be listening too. So hopefully he's he's taking notes on how we have he, time he, to prep Brian. Yes, to get Not into the tell friend. You on what to prep, but <laughs> we'll let that you figure that out on your own. So he'll be joining us in the second hour. But I wanted to get started today because I, I was listening to Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. For those who don't know, they have a, a podcast called Thirty Two Thoughts. Um, I'm a I'm, I I like Jeff Merrick. I think he the way he delivers stories is is really fun. And Friedman's so knowledgeable. The guy, the guy seems to know the inner workings of every single organization in the NHL. Like he knows stuff that somehow because well, he texts everybody. Well, but, but phone number. That's good. That the guy. That's a skill. Yep. But I don't know if you've ever seen Jeff Merrick has these these little things that he's done with Brian Burke, mm-hmm. and they're so funny because Burke is like an old school hockey guy, and he's got the gargly voice, and he's kind of a scary figure. Like when you listen to him tell stories. But he's there with Merrick, and they have it in cartoon form. And they are hysterical, Berkey telling stories with Jeff Merrick. So anyway, uh, on their podcast recently, they talked about the Golden Knights potentially being in the market for Noel Achari. And I've seen some people tweet it out. Um, for those who don't know, Noel Achari is a member of the St. Louis Blues, and I completely blew, no pun intended there, I completely screwed up my great intro that I was going to have for that because I said... In my notes, and I'm staring right at it, Vegas Golden Knights could potentially be in the market for two St. Louis Blues, but not who you might expect. I screwed that up, Lindsay. That's okay. Uh, All right, so we'll start over. So the Golden Knights could potentially be in the market for two members of the St. Louis Blues. However, they may not be the names that people thought about because I know some people have thrown around Ryan O'Reilly. They've thrown around Vladimir Tarasenko. Those are what I would call a big kahuna tuna trade. Yeah, that's like when you watch Wicked Tuna and the guys catch one of those massive bluefin tunas. I'm unfamiliar with that program, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, Wicked. It's a Boston show. That's why I don't watch it. (laughs) Had enough of them in my lifetime. So the, the, the players that have been potentially linked, and of course, these are rumors we don't know, Noel Achari and... Ivan Barbashev. Now, both are good players, but they're not. Are they? I don't even know who this Achari character is. Well, let's put it this way. He's really good on the penalty kill. Okay. And he's probably, he would probably slot in third line. Winger? Yeah, winger. Okay, so we want a winger. Yeah. So, 18 points on the season, 10 goals. Eight assists. Um, the other guy, Barbashev, uh, his his statistics aren't really blowing off the uh, the charts either. Nine goals, fifteen assists, th- twenty four points. But these are these are the types of moves. Why do these guys work though? Is it just because they're puzzle pieces and they fit well, in with with the mu- the cap constraints, or their actual? Well, I think there's something to that. Well, it's funny you mentioned connection. That's why I mention it because Noel Achari has a History with Bruce Cassidy. Mm. Bruce Cassidy was the coach of the Boston Bruins when Noel Achari was a member of the Boston Bruins. And the connection actually goes a little bit deeper than that because when Noel Achari 
first became a professional hockey player. He played in the AHL with the Providence Bruins. And his coach at the time, none other than Bruce Cassidy. He's very inexpensive. He's 1.25 against the cap, so not a lot of wiggling that the Golden Knights would need to do. Mm -hmm. And he fits because he knows Cassidy's system. He's, He's not a guy who is going to break the bank as far as what you may have to give up in order to obtain Nolachari, right? I mean, he's a guy on an expiring deal. He's he's a third-line guy. I can't imagine you're going to be giving up your top prospects to attain Nolachari. The St. Louis Blues, their season appears to be sunk. If you look at them recently, they've got a bunch of guys on injured reserve. They're not playing well. Yeah, they miss David Perron immensely. I, you know, I it's it's funny that you say that because that's exactly what was going through my mind. Like David Perron is that guy who I feel kind of is a glue in the locker room guy. Well, They're, and that's just their GM's mo. He's always been the type to let the big guys walk if it's past a number that he's willing to go. I mean, that's why we have number seven in our jersey here. Yeah. These days, and so that's just that's just one of those principles that everybody has certain things or certain ways that they like to run a team. And it was funny because David Perron had played for a handful of teams before he eventually left to go play for the Red Wings, but he'd only signed contracts in St. Louis. Yeah, he was, was a really weird drafted little, by St. Yeah, Louis. Really weird wrinkle. When, when Vegas drafted him, it was the last year of his deal. Yep. So he, he never signed a, a contract with Vegas, went back to St. Louis, won a Stanley Cup. It worked out well for David Perron. Mm-hmm. And now um, he, oh, he played for he played for Edmonton previously. And uh, still ended up back in St. Louis. He must really like St. Louis. I, 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 it's only just think of how hard it probably was for him to leave and take that deal. I mean, when Steve Eiserman calls you, you're like, okay, I might need to listen to a thing or two that he has to say. And yeah, it's a team that's on the rise as well. And so maybe Pron saw a little bit of the writing on the wall and and some cap mismanagement, or they they decide to. I think they signed Carew and Robert Thomas to almost identical deals. Yeah. And based off of my watching of the Blues and just gathering of information of the early season, let's just say we're not always working hard on the back check. That's changed as of late, but those are those little blips where all of a sudden, well, are the St. Louis Blues contenders? On paper, yes, but then they had that period of a few weeks where they couldn't win a game, and it's put them in such a hole, and that's why it's really scary for teams like the Golden Knights or any other contender because if you're not able to snap out of it, just think of how quickly can get away from you. Yeah, yeah. St. Louis is, is a perfect example of that. I like those two names that you bring, but I have a name that I would like to bring to the table. It's not a winger. It's a center. And so it might cause a little bit of some some uh, reconfiguration. And you know what? I was wrong, by the way. Achari is a center oh, as well. Oh, a center? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, then I, I have a, this is, makes my point even better because I get it that he's Bruce Cassidy's guy who ran a system. If I showed up to practice, I could learn Bruce Cassidy's system. And I could run it and say, yes, sir. Like, it's really not that hard. But what about Nick Benino? I know this is interdivision because we're talking about the Sharks, but we were talking about the Sharks yesterday. And speaking of teams that are like, please send us assets for the love of God because we have nothing. <laughs> yeah. This guy. The tank is, is, is empty. Is, is, what do you mean? Oh, I, I, it, brilliant. The, yeah. Good point. Good point. But he spent a little bit of time in Minnesota a few years ago. And so I, I watched him pretty closely then. And he's a tenacious type of player, character guy who can pot you a couple that you wouldn't expect from your lower lines. You know who he spent some time playing with? Especially in big time moments, Mr. Phil Kessel. Yeah, I remember HBK of the, uh, line. He's the beat. 
member of and the, Carl the Pittsburgh Penguins. Carl Hagelin we can't trade for him when Washington <laughs> doesn't like us. So we can't trade for him. Well, I don't know. Chandler Stevenson came here. Uh, well, that's true, but that was two, three years ago. Now yeah. it's different feelings. But I, I, I really think that they need to get someone that has played with some other people on the team. And I get with the Bruce Cassidy connection, that's great. But so much of the chatter early in the season when things were going, why isn't Phil Kessel doing more? Why aren't we getting more from that third line? I think you could solidify the third line with a guy like Nick Bonino, who also does well on the penalty kill, that has the the playoff resume that so many of us or so many teams seek after. And his cap hits only 2.05. And I'm just looking at this article on The Athletic that has kind of a collection of names that are more bargain bin options for contenders like the Golden Knights. And so I, I think he could be a, a, a name to look at or consider as well. Yeah, Benino, a guy, again, doesn't doesn't jump off the charts as far as statistics, but that's never really he's been his game. He's a character guy, though. Yeah, he, he, well, plus he's a really good defensive center. Yeah. So you're, 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 we need those. You're, you're going to, I'm sorry, winger, right? Center. Center. Where am I? Yeah, defensive center. So you're obviously going to enjoy what you get out of a guy like that because right. he, he works. He's a guy who is going to work. And as you mentioned, San Jose, they have really no reason to keep him. No. If they can get something for him, I'm sure they're, they're going to move him. But then do the Golden Knights have enough assets or the right assets? And I would think they would have enough assets to make this deal go well, through. Well, again, it's it's a lot like Achari. You're, you're not going to be no. getting a, a, a coup as far as prospects or draft picks for – a guy, A, whose contract is up at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and, and B, a guy who is 34, 35 years old, who's been around the league a while. So, Benito, Benito, Benito. I just remember that call because they, uh, they had a call overseas, and there's Benito, 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 Benito. <laughs> now, a name that you and I both talked about earlier, and um, again, not sure how he would fit with this team. And as you mentioned, it's a bit of a gamble. Because he he's coming off a serious injury. In fact, has not even played this Ooh, season. Yeah. I actually really like this idea. But Anthony Declare oh. is a real interesting player for for a variety of reasons. Uh, we could start with the fact that a he has not played this season because he's coming off a pretty serious Achilles Achilles injury. injury. So that's already. Something that you're looking at, like, all right, there's there's potential here that maybe he's not the same player. Mm-hmm. The other aspect of this is he does have another year remaining on his contract, 23-24. So more than a rental. So, Which is something that the Golden Knights like to do if they can get a little bit one of the there's not too many guys that they have brought here that have not either re-signed or have had term the 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 first deal that they made with Tomas Tatar the guy had just re-upped mm. in Detroit earlier that season uh when they when they made the move for Yanmark they re-signed him to another year so the 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 history is there of these guys either Resigning or keeping guys around. Robin Leonard, right? Was he going to be a rental? No, they re-signed Robin Leonard to, to a, a deal after uh, his contract expired. So, Declare is a guy who who is interesting for a variety of reasons. A, his cap number is really low. Mm-hmm. $3 million a year. The other aspect of it is he's a guy who has scored a lot of goals when healthy. Right. He had, I think, probably probably his, his best season. I mean, just achieved career highs last season. He had 31 goals and 27 assists, but the year before that, 
only 10 goals and 22 assists. Granted, it was a shortened season, so his numbers obviously are. But even as last year in Ottawa, he had some pretty good numbers. I feel like he's a guy who who may fit because he's going to, first of all, you don't need him to come in and be a 30-goal scorer. No. I think you would, you would probably look to put him on the third line, and he could play both sides of the wing, right, or left. So I think for him, it's it's is there something there? Maybe the other the 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 main question is well, when and are is the he, Panthers incentivized to give up on give up an asset that they've been waiting to kind of be a shakeup guy for their lineup because well they've taken a big step back this year. The question is and their cap strap. How long is he going to be out? When when is he going to come back? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, if he can't help you this year, then it's a move that you don't make. Correct. But if there's potential that he can come back and you believe that he can be the same player he was last year before that injury, I think it's a it's it's an interesting player, a guy to maybe keep an eye on. Now, I'm not saying that I, I, I mean, I'm just giving my opinion here. I don't have any idea who the Golden Knights are looking at, who they'd be interested in, but there's other guys. Like, I, I like Max Domi, right? Like, Max Domi is another guy. And what what I like about Max Domi's game is he gives you bite. That's true, and this team does lack like, physicality. I, in I the feel bite like department. like that is an area, and Keegan Colasar has done a really good job of holding the fort down, but they don't have that agitator. Keegan Colasar will go out and fight. He's not He'll afraid. He'll settle a score, but he's yes. not going to start anything. That, that's yeah, he, exactly. He's not an agitator in the way that Nick Cousins was a you know what disturber. He wasn't the type of he, David Perron, another guy who was an agitator. Max Domi is a guy who, who I think, in the right situation, could be a, a pretty helpful player. And he's his contract expires at the end of the year. He's in Chicago, right? He's in Chicago. That's a team that, we as, have, as uh, we know, will be looking paved to paved road. And <laughs> when it comes to the transactional avenue between yeah. our two teams, as let's well. let's yeah. There's a history, right, with the Blackhawks very, and the Golden Knights. Very healthy history. Let's let's get including uh, players going to um, to Chicago and not coming back for anything. So that's always funny when we talk about that, but. Domi's had a pretty good year. He's got 35 points, 14 goals, 21 assists. He is a minus 11, but everybody's a minus on that team. Yeah, there, I don't. I don't think there's a lot of pluses on the Blackhawks Nick this Lattie year. Had a crazy plus minus in Detroit, and then he got traded to St. Louis and got a five-year, four-year deal. So I think it all. It all depends on where you're playing and who you're playing with. But but Domi is a guy. He 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 played a lot. Obviously, he was in in Columbus, Montreal for a little bit. He's bounced around a bit. Yeah. But if you're the Golden so Knights, Anthony Duclair. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I just think that there's a few guys that are always in the top of trade conversations because they're decent pieces that make okay money that seem like a spark plug. Yeah, three million dollar hit for Domi. So that's more expensive than any of the options we've discussed already. Well, Duclair is three million as well. Was he? But Duclair has one more year, whereas Domi that's doesn't. True. Now, it's all going to hinge. On Mark Stone's health, because well, and if Mark Stone's out and they can put him on long term, then, then, then your options complete, are. Then we're yeah. not talking Nick Benino. We are talking Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, we are talking exactly. The the big Tarasenko or that's okay. We can we don't need him. I, I'd rather have <laughs> I'd rather have ROR. But I'm that's you're right, and that's what it all hinges on. And 
honestly, sometimes I feel weird even speculating on this stuff because we just don't know what's going on. And, and, and there's so many different ways that you can get this figured out. But I think that we've all kind of come to the conclusion about is that there probably needs to be a change within the locker room. And it's not because that anything is toxic or anything else, but there does need to be some sort of spark to get this team going. And if they're not able to get off to a good start after this all-star break. Well, that's, that's, you know, the first I, couple I, weeks out of that are look, pretty tough. They're tough. And that might, that's going to influence your decisions and the psychological, uh, just where management is looking. How bad is this getting? Because remember a couple weeks ago when you and I were taking uh, questions in the Golden Knights locker room following a loss, Kelly McCrimmon was in the back room and they were having, having a meeting. We don't see him down there very often. Yeah. He doesn't poke his head out and be like, hurry up with the media availability. Yeah, so, yeah. I, 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 I took notice of that and my initial thought was somebody is... No, it's every not happy. Yeah, every every there's and that's the thing. I think you go in there, you kick a couple trash cans and say we got to get things going here, guys. And if that's not the case, then he's going to have to take some matters into his own hands as the general manager of this organization. Yeah, and and we we mentioned the schedule out of out of the All Star break, and they're opening on the road in Nashville on the seventh. And then they go to Minnesota on the night. Tough game. So those are two pretty tough. You know, you, there, there's always the flurry angle with Minnesota. Oh, and they're always motivated. It was a good, they were a good matchup. The John this, Merrill angle, the legend, Ryan John Regal. Merrill. They have literally yeah. all of the fun, all of the fun people in their locker room. John now. Merrill was awesome. I used to love talking to John Merrill. His brother played college hockey with me. I, 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 His brother was unbelievable hitter. Yeah. Didn't have, didn't have the same uh, puck skills, though. Yeah, Merrill, Merrill, not not much of a of a hitter, more of a no, you know. So you have Nashville, the Minnesota, and then at home you get Anaheim and San Jose. If you you gotta win those, yes, like yeah, if you gotta win those. If you and can't I, beat the teams that are at the bottom feeder of your division, that's where it's like they could make a crazy decision. If say if they only win one of those games between Nashville and Minnesota, and they drop one or two of those against San Jose and Anaheim, like I could see drastic things. But, well, and then you got the Lightning, so yeah. you, you you almost feel like you have to sweep. The California teams when they come here because the Lightning you are should. never. They're, you're the they're, better team. Well, that's exactly it. You are the better team. If you're a contender. But, you beat the teams you're supposed to, and then it's a toss up when it when the Tampa Bay Lightning's come what, to town. What what matters here is those first two games out of the gate. Yeah. Because if they come out and they play those two games like they did the 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 Rangers game or the it's Coyotes like game, three total goals. They're they're losing. They're losing those games. Yeah. So. Yep. And then the sky is falling. And that's just not yeah, because then you you would have lost six games in a row. Mm-hmm. Granted, two in overtime, but loss is a loss. Like you may get you may get the consolation point, but a loss is a loss. It's not going to be a bump to your psyche. Now their first game back home way. is February twelfth against the Anaheim Ducks. We have tickets for that game that we're going to give away right now as we head to break. 702-876-1340. Caller number, well, it's February 12th. Let's go caller number 12 here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It is the VGK Insider Show. Jamie Hirsch from the NHL Network will be joining us right after the break. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. All right, welcome back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Chris Chapman, Lindsey Brown rolling with you here on a Tuesday afternoon, early evening as we get ready for uh, the NHL All-Star Game, which is coming up this weekend. 
Um, and uh, like I said, me and Lindsay here with you all week while Darren and Ryan, they are on their bye week, just like the Golden Knights. And being joined now by Jamie Hirsch, good friend from the NHL Network. And Jamie, it's been a long time. How are you? Yeah, it's been a minute. It's good to hear you guys. And uh, I'm doing well. Just getting ready, actually, to head to South Florida for the All-Star game this weekend. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a busy week and a really fun week. I, this is my favorite event other than the Stanley Cup Final. I love the All-Star game weekend because all the guys that are there, you know, their families are there, their kids are in the dressing room, everyone's just having a good time and super upbeat. Nothing's really on the line, so everyone's in a good mood. And um, it's just a really fun time. Yeah, no, I don't remember. You didn't. You weren't out here last year, right? You weren't in Vegas. I wasn't. I actually, I so I had a pretty newborn baby last year and didn't quite feel comfortable at the time. Believe it or yet, she was six months old. So I missed <laughs> a, a, what I'm sure was a really great time. I watched everything from back home, um, but yes, I missed it unfortunately. So got to get back on the road this year. Now, I, now I'm back to business again. Now, what did you think of the shooting pucks in the fountains of the Bellagio? Oh, my gosh, the coolest thing ever. I mean, that's what's so great about this event every year is NHL really does try to find ways to make each All-Star um, weekend really suited toward the host city. And you can't think about Vegas without including the Bellagio and, you know, of course, some of the festivities on the Strip and everything. And so it's really great to see that they, they did that then. And, I, you know, I know a little bit about what they have planned for this coming weekend. And it has a lot to do with the beach. You know, even though Sunrise, where they play, is actually not anywhere near the beach, um, they're having the red carpet on the beach. They're having uh, a few other beach parties going on throughout the weekend. And I was given the assignment to do the red carpet on the beach, and I did not say no. We'll just say that. (laughs) Well, what an assignment to get, especially after the weekend that you just left. I had major FOMO watching the Hockey Day Minnesota coverage that you were a huge part of, just like the good old days. I'm from the area as well. So I wanted to ask you, because uh, I describe it one way, but it means something different to everybody. How would you describe the hockey culture in Minnesota to those that haven't experienced or grown up in it? You know, it's probably as close to Canadian hockey culture as it gets because, you know, we do proudly consider ourselves the state of hockey, and it's not just, you know, saying that um, and claiming that, but we, the state of Minnesota actually does have the um, most number of NHL players from the U.S. of all states. Um, they have the highest number of women's hockey players at the college level. They have the highest number of men's college hockey players, too, from the U.S. And so, it, you know, it's not just lip service. Like, it really is a big way of life and something that we pride ourselves on with all the frozen ponds that just are everywhere in Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes. And so, yeah, it, it's part of, you know, we, we consider it a, a state holiday, an unofficial state holiday, and this is actually the 17th year in a row that the Wild have hosted this event. So every year, for those of you who have never heard of Hockey Day Minnesota, the Wild work together with a different community um, and the regional sports network, and they they build an outdoor rink um, at a different location all throughout the state. Sometimes it's in Twin Cities. Sometimes, like next year, it's in Warroad, where G.G. Marvin and Brock Nelson and T.J. Oshie are from. That's like on the border of Canada. So it's going to be really cold next year. But they build an outdoor rink, and they have three different high school games played on it. So, you know, one girls game and two boys games. And so it's really all throughout the day, just really celebrating kind of the roots of the game. And it can be very cold like this weekend, or it can sometimes we'll luck out and it'll be a little balmy and, 
in the 40s or 50s, but, you know, either way they play. And um, it's just, again, it, it's really exciting for not only the kids to get to play and say, you know, hey, mom, I'm on TV, you know, and that's a cool thing for a high school kid to say is that, you know, they're able to play hockey on TV, but also for the fans and to see the whole community come together and really build like a hockey village for the weekend. Now that that's that sounds like a lot of fun. Like, cause I I've never been to Minnesota. You do I, it right. I I've been to the airport a couple times, and and that's my experience with Minnesota. So I get definitely cannot say I've been to the land of ten thousand lakes. But I've flown over it a few times, and it looks like a beautiful state. It sounds like a place I need to get to. But uh, I want to want to ask you a little bit about the Golden Knights because obviously they they hit a little bit of a funk before the all-star break. What is the perception around the league with this team and and the way they've been playing the last? few weeks yeah you know it is kind of strange that they've struggled you know right before going on their break because um we're used to seeing them you know right up there near the top of the pacific now that being said it's been an amazing story to watch seattle and the fact that they went literally from worst to first last year um and what they're doing right now so i give them a ton of credit in their way that they just kind of stuck with what they had added a couple key pieces and it looks like they're a legitimate playoff team now but for the golden knights and this is a team that has always had sky-high expectations since year one when they blew everyone away by going all the way to the cup final. And so I think they're back, um, you know, with, with a lot of health issues kind of put aside. Um, I think Logan Thompson, my goodness, what he's done in his all-star season when everyone was kind of riding off the Golden Knights again because of Robin Leonard's, you know, season-ending off-season surgery, I, I am just blown away by the job that Logan's done and, I think this team is legitimately a playoff team. And it helps that a lot of the other teams in the Pacific are still trying to find their way um, as franchises and as teams and, and deciding you know, whether they're a playoff team or not. Because so there's a lot of question marks. You know, I'm still not quite sure about the Kings. Sometimes I think for sure they look ready for the playoffs. Other times I think, yeah, this team maybe squeaks in and, and is a first-round exit. But I think right now you've got to consider Seattle and Vegas playoff locks for the Pacific. Yeah, the West is certainly a, a lot more of an unanswered question than the East is because there's just more dominant t- teams on your side of the country. But I, I got to think that the personality of hockey is changing, that higher-skilled, higher-scoring contests that's even carried over to the usually buttoned-up postseason last year and the regular season, as you mentioned, with teams like Seattle, like New Jersey, where there's so much offense, setting goalposts on fire every night. Do you expect a continuation of this uptick into this year's postseason? And do you think we should adjust some of our sensitivities accordingly like when we decide to pull the goaltender how we decide quality starts and stuff like that yeah that's a really great question because you know we've we've had um goalie gear adjusted and sizing differences because they've tried to encourage offense and you know maybe we've taken it too far i don't know i think it's thrilling but it certainly is different i mean whatever it is um you know whether it's the skill or just you know a little bit of the the equipment as I mentioned, um, either way, I love it. I think most of the fans love it. And I think the league is really happy with the uptick in offense, too. Now, that being said, it is kind of strange that we are on a historic pace to have the most 100-point uh, players that we've had in a season, I think, since the 80s. Um, you know, we've got guys that are going to have 60 goals, like multiple guys. <laughs> it's not, not just Austin Matthews, and he's not even in the mix because he's been hurt so much. Um, <laughs> so it is really crazy to think about the uptick in offense. And I, I don't see any reason for that to change in the playoffs. I know that it does 
come with a, a little bit of different style in the playoffs. But, you know, we still saw some crazy barn burners last year. The Battle of Alberta mm-hmm. comes to mind with Calgary and Edmonton, you know, winning nine, six games and things like that. So I, I definitely think that we can expect that to continue. You mentioned the Devils, their pace of play and loving to play on the rush. Um, that I don't think will change. That's their style. Um, they might have teams that they face off against in the playoffs that end up making it harder for them to do that because they're defensively sound. But overall, I think we're in for, for a, a different kind of postseason that we've seen in a while. And it's really nice, especially just everything that we've gone through the last several years you know, with no fans last year for a lot of the teams. And then certainly before that, the two COVID-shortened seasons. Um, it feels like this is really back to normal. Uh, and it's been kind of a weird time warp, just like right back to where we used to be. Uh, the schedule is back to normal. The couple we played when it normally is um, will have a typical off season. So all of those things are, are kind of refreshing after the crazy few years we've had. Jamie Hirsch from NHL Network, our guest here. And I'm glad you mentioned the Devils because unlike you, you unlike you and Lindsay – who are from Minnesota. I grew up in New Jersey, by the way. That's right. Some, some good players from, from New Jersey, sure. Uh, the Van, Van Riemsdyk brothers jump into mind, of course. But uh, what has and, – and, and I know you you and Kevin Weeks got to do a, the call of the Devils-Penguins game not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you were a play-by-play, right? You did the play-by-play and Weeks he was – I did, yeah. And Weeks yeah, was, was your analyst. I've games this year, and it's been a blast. So – for me, the New Jersey Devil fan, although I technically can't be a New Jersey Devil fan anymore, what has has Lindy Ruff done in order to get this thing turned around so quick? Because I think there was a period right when they signed P.K. Subban, everyone said, oh, the Devils are going to be a playoff team, and they, they kind of fell short of those expectations. This year, now all of a sudden, they're they're playing phenomenal hockey, and I think a lot of people were taken, myself included, were taken by surprise by that, so... What has Lindy Ruff done to, to get this thing turned around the way he has? Well, I really think it's him and also the GM, right, for not trying to mix it up too much. You know, there were a couple certain uh, necessary pieces that they added. Uh, hello, their goalie comes to mind because he's been everything <laughs> yeah. for them. Um, but other than that, you know, this is a team that has had really good underlying numbers. And Mike Kelly is one of our guys who works for Sport Logic and does all of the you know advanced stats for the NHL, and he has been actually this was probably week two of the season, and the Devils, you know, they lost their first two games, and they maybe won a couple, so they're right around five hundred, but certainly not you know blowing anyone away at that point. And he went on on the slide and he said, the Devils, if they get average goaltending, are a playoff team. And I called him out on that. I said, excuse me, what? I don't know if I'm there yet. And I <laughs> I kind of kind of make fun of him, but I just questioned him I I second guessed his response there and he has been so right because his point was that actually last year they weren't as bad as their record showed they just had terrible team goaltending and it really did come down to goaltending and you know Mackenzie Blackwood has been a little better when he's played but Vanacek certainly has been the guy that has changed that and not only given them average goaltending but above average goaltending and so back to your Lindy Ruff question you know I think it was just continuing the process and so many coaches say that and fans roll their eyes because they want to see changes right they want to see instant improvements 
But really, most of the key players, you know, you have a healthy Jack Hughes, you have a healthy Nico Hishier. These are guys that have missed a lot of time over the past few seasons, and they've grown, they've developed, they've come into their own. So you're just finally seeing the fruits of the labor that they've put in kind of behind the scenes to build this the last few years, and now it's just clicking. And that's why I think they are a pretty dangerous team, because nothing really has changed that much except probably the will, or the belief, rather, that they can win and that they can go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the league and having a great goalie, uh, something they've not had probably since Marty, um, is is the biggest difference, I think. Yeah, I think I think I saw the statistic the other day that they have not won a playoff series since Martin Brodeur was wow. in net for them. I think actually the last time they won a playoff series was they beat the Rangers to go to the Stanley Cup final where they, wow. they ended yeah, up losing to the Kings. So it's it's been a while, but... Yeah, Vanacek has been really good for them. And the goalies, I mean, last year I would watch games and they were playing guys I think were were in the ECHL just a couple days before that were getting called up. So, um, they, Almost like goalies are important. Yeah, yeah, they've been, they've been a great story. <laughs> and, and speaking of great stories, including goalies, Linus Olmark has been phenomenal for the Bruins. I mean, obviously the Bruins, I think, are the best story in the NHL because there was a period last year where we didn't know what the Bruins were going to be. And Patrice Bergeron comes back. Linus Olmark is, I think, the guy that they expected when they signed him. The, how, how has Boston done this? Because they had so many injuries to start the year. Obviously, Pasternak is Pasternak. But they, they're, they're just it's an incredible story because of the injuries they had. How have they been able to do that? Look, I... <laughs> I wish that this were not true, but I'm going to go ahead and just own my mistake. I certainly went on TV about, what, a week before the season started in our season preview, and I said Boston's going to miss the playoffs. I did, too. Going to be the <laughs> I did, too. Out. You, you, yeah. you and Ryan Wallace, both. Hello, they're only just getting older. They mm-hmm. didn't have any breakout players other than that top line that you could say, oh, they're going to be so much better this year. And for a while, we weren't even sure if, Krejci was going to still be Krejci that yeah. we are used to seeing in the NHL. Um, add to that, you know, Olmark and Swayman were both good, but they weren't otherworldly like Olmark has been this year. And the injuries you mentioned, I did not expect any of those guys to come back as quickly as they did. I mean, they got healthy so much faster than anyone expected, so far ahead of schedule. And I am totally eating crow right now because they are – actually about to try to set an NHL record for the earliest team to clinch a playoff. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Playoff. I mean, they've got 81 points. It's unbelievable. And this is after having a, a relatively bad run for them. And I say relatively because mm-hmm. it'd be great for any other team in the league right now. But they, you know, they had that tough road trip, and uh, I think they wrap it up tomorrow. So they've had a really tough stretch here, and they're finally getting some losses. Uh, but that being said, they're Again, so close to clinching, and we're at the all-star break. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, to say they're a playoff team, that's a, a no-brainer. I, I think the question really now just becomes whether we still all believe that they're going to be this good that long in terms of being able to go all the way to the Stanley Cup final and win the Stanley Cup because we haven't seen a President's Trophy-winning team do that in a very long time. The Chicago Blackhawks were the last team to do it, um, and that was – in the lockout shortened season. Uh, and so I think you have to go back to the Red Wings and maybe like 08 or something. I don't even remember, but it's been a long, long time. And so, uh, you know, the, the Lightning 
when they had that record-tying 62-win season, they ended up getting swept by the Blue Jackets. Yeah. So that's where I still have a, a bit of a question mark. Florida Panthers just last year, you know, end up basically getting – no, they, they got – well, they get swept for five games. I can't even remember. I think they, they got swept, yeah. They did not show up at all in the playoffs against the Lightning. Oh, no, they didn't get – so they, they made it to the second round. That's right, because – Tampa beat Toronto in the first round. Yeah, they, the they lost in the second, second round. round, yeah. All right. It's all coming back to me now. Either way, <laughs> it was a long they time didn't ago. make it past the second round. So um, I am skeptical that Boston can actually win the cup, as ludicrous as that may sound to some. Well, we're talking the difference between good and great with Jamie Hurst. A great conversation with Jamie Hurst. Before we let you go, I just want to circle back a little bit. Not circle back, at least breach the topic about women's hockey here because you grew up in the Minnesota hockey pipeline, so did I. And and get your thoughts on where you think we are in the progression of the women's game beyond the recognition because we have two main North American pro leagues that can't come together. Not to mention a lot of the chatter that I hear about association consolidation, rising costs, hyper-professionalization of kids who happen to be athletes. Where are we exactly headed in your mind? You know, it's kind of how you depend or how you decide to look at it, right? Because you know, I actually had the chance to to be with Kelly Panic this weekend. She was my analyst for a lot of Hockey Day Minnesota, and she is a gold medalist with Team USA. She's still playing. She's also an assistant coach at one of the local high schools um, in Minnesota, and then she's also trying to get into TV in her spare time because mm-hmm. she's very busy. Um, but all that to say that you know, she's very positive on the outlook of it because. She, um, you know, knows a lot of girls who do play in uh, one of the leagues that, that just added a team in Montreal. So, like, that is good that there's expansion. On the other side, you're right. The two leagues need to come together if anything is going to work. And, you know, whether it's getting NHL support or just prove, you know, getting TV rights deals and proving that people do want to watch women's hockey, which I certainly believe they do. Um, and once that kind of belief gets out there and, and they can get, TV rights deals and, and better access to these games. Um, I think that's the first step. And really, you know, it, it is disheartening to me that they can't, most women can't make a living on just being a hockey player. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is just so crazy to me because there are so many men, there's countless men across all of the leagues professionally that do just that, that they make a living just playing hockey. And most of these women have a full-time job and they have to have a job that is pretty flexible so that they can go and play, you know, three nights a week or something on top of their full-time job. And that's, that's atrocious to me that they, you know, have to try to be professional athletes, but still hold down you know, a different kind of job that actually pays them enough to survive. So that's where we are lacking desperately. And, um, you know, I think we're taking small strides. I love that NHL Network is airing the rivalry series between USA and Canada because we know that that's always going to draw. I mean, I love that matchup no matter how many times I watch it. And there's two more coming up here, I think, in February. Um, so that's great that we're starting to see a little more coverage of these events. And, like, Women's World Championships was also on – NHL Network and also on TSN in Canada. So all of that is positive, um, but there's still so much farther we have to go. All right, Jamie, we're gonna we're done taking up enough of your time. Uh, <laughs> I know you got to get packing for for sunrise in South Florida, and looking forward to your coverage this weekend of the NHL All Star Game. Thank you so much for jumping on with us, and uh, enjoy your time down in Florida. Yeah, thanks so much. I'll be on on the fly in a couple hours, so I'll see you then. All right, have a good have a good show. Okay. All right. That's Jamie Hirsch from NHL Network. Uh, always loved getting the opportunity to chat with her. She's so awesome. 
Uh, everyone that we uh, we have on from NHL Network is, is great, but Jamie was the first person I really connected with there. So yeah, she's fantastic. Love love talking legend. to her. Yeah, a Minnesota legend as well, yeah, oh, right? Absolutely. I That's wanted to I ask her what the because uh, I know she's a big baseball fan yeah. as well. She she works for MLB Network as well. I wanted to ask her what the uh, outlook was for the Twins. They got Carlos Correa back, so uh, oh, yeah. maybe another Probably time. Probably a loss to the, in the postseason to the Yankees. I'll just cut it out. We don't even have to play the yeah. season. All right, Lindsay, you want to give away another pair of tickets? I do. All right, we have another pair of tickets for the Golden Knights and the Ducks when they come back February 12th uh, at T-Mobile. That is Super Bowl Sunday, so it's a noon puck drop on that one. So it uh, should be a fun game against the Ducks. Both games, by the way, T-Mobile this year against the Ducks. Afternoon games. This be the second. Uh, what what call you want to give away? What do you say? Let's do number eight. Number eight. Caller number eight for Phil Kessel. And uh, we will be back after the break for Lindsay's Musings, Fox Sports Las Vegas, VGK Insider Show. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. VGK Insider Show, Chris Chapman, Lindsey Brown here with you on a Tuesday as we head into drive time. We're going to cover a bit in the second hour. Brian McCormick, of course, you may know Brian. You probably do know Brian. We all know Brian. He is the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, so we're going to get the farm report with Brian McCormick. They are not on a bye week. Uh, We're also going to talk a powerful agent, I would say. Is a good way to describe a familiar agent, yes. we could say. He he uh, tweeted out something yesterday, and I think it, it's interesting, and I want to have the conversation with you as well in the second hour. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Fox Sports Las Vegas, VGK Insider Show.